welcome back to this episode of From the Suggestion Box, Navigating Feedback, The Good, The Bad, and The Say What? Not letting the good stuff go to your head and the bad stuff go to your heart. Today, I am so, so, so excited to have my good friend, Brittany Coe, as our guest today. Um, Brittany has been an active volunteer for most of her life. She caught the service bug early during her 12 years as a Girl Scout and through her service in AmeriCorps National Service Program. For the past three years, Brittany has worked as the volunteer manager for MetroCast Services in Texas. There, she has been responsible for recruitment, training, and retention of more than 5,000 volunteers who donate their time to help MetroCrest Services fulfill its mission of building a stronger community together. Brittany holds a bachelor's degree with a concentration in sociology and women's studies from Texas Women's University. She holds a certificate for nonprofit management from the Center for Nonprofit Management in Texas and has recently earned her CVA. Yeah, give it up. She is passionate about doing her part to repair the world by promoting volunteerism and sparking the passion to give back in others. Brittany, this has been a long time coming. We had to reschedule a couple of times, but we are here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. All right, so let's just dive right in. This whole thing, feedback, and I know um, people might get tired of it, but it's just really understanding that we've all had to deal with it, the good stuff, the bad stuff, and stuff that literally just made you go, what? Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And so we are just sharing through our experiences so that we can all relate and help each other. So let's just let's just dive right in. What, what do you have for me? Give me a piece of feedback that you received, and it could be either the good, the bad, or the say what? Oh, most definitely my first year as a volunteer manager, um, I was very new. Uh, I took this job with the full understanding of the people hiring me on. I don't know how to do this. I can manage people, but this specifically, no experience whatsoever. But thanks for taking a chance on me. Yeah. So of course, um, I started in February and April in the U.S. is the National Volunteer Appreciation Month. Correct. So two months on the job, and now I have to essentially plan my own debut coming out party to our volunteers <laughs> um, by putting on something that I hope they like, by trying to reinvent the program that's always been done. And my idea was, oh, hey, I have a lot of volunteer t-shirts for my time with doing whatever. It's that's one of the main like souvenirs that I love is looking back years later on a t-shirt for a good experience. So I figured, oh, our volunteers would love that. So of course, we being a very diverse agency um, have people serving of all hues and shades. So I go with a color that I thought would look good on people like a nice slate gray with some pops of orange and yellow uh, and red, which are agency colors. I was all excited. I'm like, oh, hey, next week, let's all wear our new shirts and you know represent. And people were like, oh, yeah, this color, we hate it. Why'd you do this? Like, gray? Oh. Like, the agency color is red. Like, why did you, why? And the material is kind of scratchy. Can I get two sizes up? Because these look like they're they're cheap and they're going to shrink. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, I, I tried to find a color that looked good on all skin tones and wasn't going to show sweat because we are not a static agency. We are, we are sleeves up serving. So that, I, I kind of took that to heart because I was like, oh, well. You know, I thought I did my research. I thought I was I was giving a product we'd never given t-shirts before. So I went ahead and turned my tassel on that one. And you know, the next year I learned 
maybe we should survey what what colors would would go over well or you know talk with our marketing person who seems to know more about this than i do so that was that was my first ah, public face crush um because everyone took the shirt and said oh we love it thanks and then the next week here come the honest opinions the one-on-ones so yeah (laughs) it is so funny that you should say that because um after any so in my early years of my volunteer management experience, you know, we would do an event and like my supervisor or somebody would ask, well, how did it go? And I was like, oh, it was great. And then just like you said, about a week later, or three days later, I'm getting all of these comments and emails. And I was just like, oh, well, I thought the event was great. And so now, you know, she'll be like, how did it go? I'm like, let me, let me give it about five days and I'll let you know. <laughs> like, I don't jump the gun on that anymore. Oh my gosh. So, so when you did that, I love that you also, you gave like the, the scenario of, well, this is what we learned from it. And this is how we moved forward. <laughs> love it. Love it. So we're, I, I also, I, I often tell people a lot, like, um, cause you also had mentioned surveys that surveys, um, I, when I, <laughs> When I first started surveys, I used to get like so nervous because when you open yourself up to ask people about surveys, especially when it's anonymous, they do not hold back. They like, it is like, you know, you know, what is it like horses out the gate? They're like, whoa, she asked, let me, let me dig in. Um, was there anything either like funny or kind of crazy that came out of that, either that survey or any other survey that you may have done that made you go, ooh. Uh, you know, something like that. I don't know. Oh, um, let me think about that one. I think when people, I can, I can give an instance when it was a, Hey, I'm letting you know, I'm going to send out a survey and then you just send me an email. And so then it's not anonymous. And I totally know that you just said this to me. (laughs) So, um, one of the things I always say, and I always encourage volunteer managers to do this. It's, it's uncomfortable, but I'm the first to admit when I don't know something. So it's going to be a learning experience for both of us. Either I don't know and and give me a little bit of time to work that out and we can learn together or, Hey, I'm always looking for, you know, ways to improve the experience. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, because if you don't let me know, I can't improve it. And some people can take that to the real, um, just kind of an extreme. And so of course, you know, when you're planning events or you're planning to host volunteers, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes on that volunteers really sometimes don't take the time to think about. But I have forgotten um, napkins at one of our volunteer appreciations. And we were using this very fancy space that was like, oh, okay. And, you know, I'd had these, these really cute themed ones in my cart for a while. And it wasn't until we started cutting the cake. That I was like, I don't have any napkins. So my my boss is cutting the cake and she's like oh hey we need some napkins to go with these oh we don't have napkins so i'm i'm running around and end up cleaning this poor space out of all of their paper towels now this is pre-planned pre-pandemic yeah i was like oh so now i'm gonna have to write these people a check and be like 20 dollars memo line for paper towels and i never thought that you know something as simple as having to use a paper towel instead of a themed napkin was going to be a big deal, but that actually came up on the survey. There weren't enough napkins. Oh my gosh, because that speaks nothing to the experience and everything to you, the planner, having dropped the ball in some way. So, you know, I think the next year I like made it funny and made like an apron out of napkins 
um, or, or something, or, you know, the lady who did complain, like I gave her a whole stack for her table and just let her know, you know, this year I didn't forget. So I, I kind of saved my face a little bit, but absolutely mortified. Just, just all the color out of my face. Oh, and I love that, right? First, for a couple of reasons, because, you know, as many times as, we're, as we've done it, even just up until like, we're, because you're like three or four years into yours, I'm like five or six years into mine. And we've done it at this point, several times. And, you know, it's the nature of an event, something is not going to get remembered, or so, you know, something's going to happen, or even if you had completely planned the whole thing out, and then maybe the napkins just didn't get delivered. So this time it wasn't even like you forgot. But I love what you did with that. And this is one of the things y'all, if y'all don't know about Renee, she is so funny. And I love how you handle so much with humor because it really tends to take the edge off of a situation. Um, and it just, you know, it just makes the whole situation lighter. So I, that is one of the, the qualities about you that I love and adore. She, I mean, such like just so quick-witted with her humor like sometimes you don't even know what happened you're like laughing and you're like where did that even come from this she's amazing this girl is amazing um i also wanted to tag on something that you had said where you had said that um you know we all we all don't always know everything right as much as we do we don't know a lot so i, I have to tell y'all about my first experience my very first experience with Brittany, and i didn't even know it was her so I had the opportunity to present at the Texas Volunteer Manager Conference, and I was talking about diversifying your volunteer program. And, you know, you go through the whole program, and at the end, they have like, oh, quick questions in the, um, in the chat. And so um, Rebecca, um, Becca Hand, was reading off the questions, and one of the questions that came in was, it was, it, it was extremely intellectual and well put together. And I was like, I'm about to be exposed because I have no idea what this person's talking about. She, can you explain how um, the points that you presented today also translate to the neurodiversity of stuff? So, so, and I, all I heard was neurodiversity and I immediately started sweating. I was like, and so the first thing I did was like, I'm not sure I understand what you're asking. Can you can you clarify your question? <laughs> I never heard that word. I was like, I'm supposed to be answering to what? I was just like all these big words. I was I was like, you know, I have I have a, a bachelor's degree, but that's about it. Like I, I don't have like a whole bunch of other like formal education, and all these big words are coming at me, and I was sweating so much so that when we got off of the the conference that day, I was like, mom, because I asked my mom to attend. I was like, mom, I have no idea what she was talking about. My mom was like, well, I'm very proud of you because you handled it very well. You didn't act like you knew. You asked and you let people know that you had no idea what she was talking about and that you asked her to clarify. And then when you did, I was like, oh, oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, girl. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was so funny. And then, um, I came to find out because I started to study for my CVA and you led this phenomenal study group. And so I, I was in the study group and I was like, yo, that's the girl that asked me that question about the whole neural diverse. It's her. And I thank you for that. 
because you have expanded my knowledge and you caused me to grow. So for that, Brittany, I want to thank you because that is what volunteer managers do. They help each other grow. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think um, too many times not knowing something in our profession is seen as a detriment. Like, or, oh, I got to fall on the sword and admit that I don't know this. If, if you frame it in the fact that it's a challenge rather than it's hard, because the word hard just makes everything seem insurmountable. Like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? It's 9.59 on Monday and you're asking me about triple word score, scrabble words. I don't know what's going on right now. I'm not caffeinated enough to deal with this. But if, if you do what you did and asked, you know, you know, the old spelling bee, can you use it in a sentence? Like sometimes, sometimes it's all about context clues and we learn through stories because we may say that, oh, we're just venting or thank you for listening to me vent, but sometimes your bad story or your, oh, I forgot the napkins can be someone else writing down like, okay, note to self, napkins, top of the list, like make sure those get ordered, be sure yeah. we check everything off because, you know, stuff's always going to happen. And in that case of the volunteer management event, like I plan my own wedding, so it's like, Shh. 40 people for a two hour lunch. Like, yeah, forgot the napkins, yeah. but, you know, it's, <laughs> it happens. It, 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 it's going to happen. Um, but I think also one of the things we talked about in preparation for this is getting rid of that compliment sandwich or the feedback sandwich. Like mm -hmm. that feedback sandwich is the egg salad in elementary school. No one's going to trade you for that. We need to, we need to replace that with something else. Like you can almost like you have to gird your loins like oh you did a really good job with this but mm, right you know, that but waiting for the other yeah the, like the shoe to drop type of thing so with that being said so when you have to give um feedback to somebody maybe they're not pulling their own weight like because there have been a lot of people who have said to use the compliment sandwich um so i would love a different perspective um on how you would offer another way to do it? I think one, always make sure that if it's something really serious that you're not the only person interacting with the volunteer or whoever else, um, you never know what's gonna trigger someone. Um, and not to say that all conversations are unpleasant. It could be as simple as, you know, a lot of us are working outside. So we might have outdoor equipment now that we have to take care of. Um, someone didn't lock the shed and hundreds of dollars of food or whatever that was gonna be stored in there could have possibly been stolen. So you just have to, I always go through um, by retraining someone and just saying, hey, um, you were here closing and thank you so much for that. We've made a few changes. We just want to make sure that everyone knows what to do. And then you just walk the person through and then you don't have to call them out and say, well, you were here on Tuesday and you didn't lock this up. And I came <laughs> in the next day and I was just, you know, on my knees, just thankful that we didn't just get robbed blind and I have to explain that to someone. Right. Uh, but the flip side of avoiding the compliment sandwich is also making sure that you understand someone's learning style. Um, do you learn? Are you a show me, tell me? Are you an audio, visual, tactile learner? Um, and then you let people know, hey, I'm here to teach you and impart information in a way that you understand so that maybe that open and honest lane for communication can always be there because you're going to have to tell them uncomfortable stuff and vice versa. And it shouldn't always be like, oh, what are you going to tell me? Oh, yeah. it wasn't that bad because um, it shows all on here. <laughs> it does. It does. Right. And so I've often tried uh, in talking with fellow uh, volunteer managers have said, like, the first time a volunteer hears from you personally, one on one should not be like when they get in trouble. Right. Like our relationship yes. building should be taking place throughout the year. Oh, man, I have a couple of questions for you that's coming out of that. Um, so number one, 
yes, the first time a volunteer hears from you on a personal level should not be when they have done something wrong. So the question that I have to you is with 5,000 volunteers, how do you work to build that type of relationship and that rapport with 5,000 volunteers so that if it comes down to the point where you do have to have that conversation with them, the first time that they're hearing from you is not when they've done something wrong, but how, but how do you build that outside of that? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I understand. So a lot of the 5,000, so we have pre-pandemic, everyone, yes. we had a, a core of about <laughs> 70 to 80 core volunteers um, who came in every week. So with our process to become a volunteer, you create an application and then once upon a time, I gave people tours. And so that's kind of your formal introduction, um, a little bit of an open house, a little bit of this is what you can do as a volunteer. And then I sent them a post tour email that kind of outlined and fleshed out a little bit more as far as what you could do. So the people that were there every week, it's just all in the greeting. Hi, is this your first time volunteering with us? Or, you know, you, you have to put in the hours. Oftentimes we're the ones doing everything. So you get to see the same names over and over and then try to make your best effort to connect a name with the face. And so then it's just, hey, thank you for coming in. Um, you know, last week you helped us serve, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and just let people know that you appreciate them because on all of the surveys that I've done, as far as what people want, it's not that ugly gray t-shirt that I got dinged for. It was a thank you. Just telling them thank you. They just wanna be acknowledged. As far as when people are coming from groups, uh, we have a lot of seasonal programs. So that's where a lot of those 5,000 come in mm -hmm. is whoever you are working with, whoever is the lead, liaison, group leader, making sure that they understand the expectations so that they can impart that information to their folks. Because for instance, if you're not a faith-based organization, like many of us are, you may wanna let people know that, you know, asking to pray or, or things like that may run afoul of, you know, your key mission statement to right. not do any of that at work. Right. Um, and so just letting people know. And then, you know, I always try to be on site when we have new volunteer groups and I try to do an impact volunteer follow-up with the groups that we've hosted a few times because they know, you know, unless there's someone it sounds terrible of like a high rank or it's like someone brand new. Um, I'm going to let my program managers feel that, but I'm always going to send a report, you know, you all with your two hours help do X, Y, Z. Uh, because then people really feel like, oh, my time was valued. It wasn't, yeah. okay, I just got out of work for two hours, but what did I do? Right. Um, and it, it makes it seem like you were plugged in um, and on top of everything and in multiple places at once, even when you can't, all with just sending a simple, thank you, this is what you did today. Yes. Because how many other people do that? Not right. as many as you think. Not as many as you would think. And that blew my mind, right? When I first came into this and was doing this, there was stuff that to me just like would came natural. It was like, okay, it was like, you know, one plus one equals two. But I realized that because everybody thinks differently and is very unique, to some people, one plus one does not equal two. Some people, one plus one is 11. Some people, one plus one is like 2.6840, you know? So a lot of stuff that I thought would be common sense that I typically just was like, oh, well, you know, for example, like if I ask somebody, um, if, if I request a volunteer to meet me at a certain time, um, my brain would be like, I want to make sure there that make sure that I am there at least either five or ten minutes before the volunteer gets there, or they have my phone number. So just in case they get there before I do, they're not just standing there, standing in there, and they just you know aren't they're not like completely lost. 
what I had to learn was not everybody thinks like that and that it, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just everybody is built so differently that it was one of the things that I had to mitigate with um, when people who were working with volunteers for the first time. And because before I used to think it was common sense, I wouldn't have to tell people, but I'm like, you know, sometimes they're just so thinking and they're in the zone of what they're doing that they didn't even, they wouldn't even think of, oh, maybe I should have somebody there to meet them. And it was, it was fascinating to me. And one of the things that, um, that I wanted to talk to you about in like recognizing that as well was I was so uh, grateful to you that you invited me to part of, to be a part of the um, Enneagram uh, workshop that you had, well, that you hosted. Um, learning about people's different personality types and how they see things. Man, that was mind-blowing. Um, do you know your number, your Enneagram number? Or do you want to tell a little bit about what that is? Um, sure. So uh, I am vice president of the DADB, Dallas Association of Directors of Volunteers, and we offer this programming for volunteer managers. You don't have to be in our area, but since this year has been so topsy-turvy um, and people the word self-care has been bandied about a lot. And, you know, I'm learning to, to know myself again. Uh, we decided, you know, you can know yourself a lot better when you don't have anyone else to interact with. So let's, let's put something on to do that. And so it's a system that takes into account not just your positive uh, personality traits, but also some of the negative, how you respond to stress, how you might um, work well with others of similar numbers. Um, I am pretty much a, um, I, I straddle the line, so I'm a six. Um, I'm a person who tries to avoid a lot of risk. So I'm one of those people, I'm definitely a, a worst case scenario planner. Um, and so I, I can't ever be prepared for absolutely everything like 2020, no one saw that coming, um, but I try to. And so in my mind, like not having to, or to minimize the amount of experiences where someone could give me negative feedback really helps me. Uh, but also when you think about it, not from just a, it makes me uncomfortable as a person, but from a risk management standpoint at your job. Um, it's not just enough to make sure that, you know, there's toilet paper in the bathrooms, but are your emergency exits clearly labeled? Um, do people know where you're going to be if you're not going to be right there next to them as their shadow for that, that um, experience? So right. a lot of that, people want to know that, oh, my experience was thought of. I, the person, was thought of. And it's a little bit hard to think of every single individual every time, but there are some broad, broad-reaching things that you can do. Is your parking clearly marked? Do people know who's going to be leading them? Is your door unlocked? Um, I've had that happen where one of our volunteer sites, you know, they were, oh, people aren't here yet. Let me go work on something in the back. And then my phone blew up with people. I can't get in. The start time is nine o'clock. I rung the doorbell and I'm like, uh, uh, and the site is 15 minutes away from where I office. So all of the things, but just, just things like that. And then just always, always being prepared to say, yes, chef. Like, like Gordon Ramsay tells you in the kitchen, like, you don't have to like what they say. You just have to say thank you and acknowledge that it happened. Like, when someone's giving feedback, it is not the time for you to be like, well, listen, I got here 20 minutes early and I bought the two-ply toilet paper just for you. It's not my fault that one of the two rolls wasn't filled in. That's not the correct response. That's, that's not what we need to do. A, a lot of our job is, is personal. It's going to push your buttons. Yeah. But just, Yes, Jeff. Just even if you need to practice in the mirror because I have the world's worst poker face. Yes. Well, 
Thank you so much for that. Saying thank you doesn't mean that next time I see you, I'm going to have to have changed and done everything that you wanted me to do. It's just an acknowledgement of, I appreciate the time that it took you to formulate that sentence and let me know. That doesn't yes. mean that everyone's getting gummy bears on Tuesday or that, you know, I'm going to start buying Starbucks coffee for the break room. It's still going to be a Folgers, but thank you. <laughs> it's you free are, coffee. <laughs> you're so right because so many times, and that's one of the, that was one of those things I had to learn. So many times people just want to have an opportunity to make sure that they told you. And then learning to be like, yeah, chef, thank you. Thank you for letting me know. I will, I'll take that into consideration for in the future. Thank you. A lot of times that's all they wanted to hear. And they may not even bring it up, but they just wanted to feel heard in the moment. And so that has become like one of my phrases. Oh, maybe I shouldn't put it out there like that. People all like, maybe I won't give my phrase, but I developed a phrase. <laughs> I'm all ears. And it's like, it is yes, chef, right? Because sometimes that's literally all it is. People, especially if something, you know, it was like a trigger point or it wasn't even, it may at that point may not have even been that big of a deal. And they're just like, Nicole, I just wanted to let you know, I just wanted to tell you this because when people would, especially like if I would be in the middle of doing something and they would try to come give me feedback in the middle of like preparing for something else, just like you said with the face, I've had to work with that because I would be like, you don't see me holding six boxes right now and you trying yes. to come tell me about something that happened three days ago. Like that's what I had to learn to be like, yes, chef. Th thank you. Okay. And then, because a lot of times all they just wanted to do was just tell you. And I had to learn that. Yeah. Cause the plates that you're spinning are invisible. Nobody else is going to walk into your office and immediately see that you have X, Y, Z, A, B, one, two bullet point. Like that's just, we're the most recognizable face of our, our agencies most of the time. Yep. And we also work really hard to seem approachable because yes! we want people to interact with us. It's not like the CEO where people are going to think twice before knocking on their door. People are just going to come right in and say, oh, hey, how are you? How is this? Da, 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 da. It has nothing to do with what's going on in front of you or the 50 million fires behind you. Right. But just, you know, know that part of your day is going to go to just being nice to people and that's going to be unproductive time. Uh, I have a former pastor who volunteers for us. And that's what he said. He's like, you know, everyone's going to want a piece of you, including your work, including what you want to do. So if you just build in the fact that you're going to get distracted each and every day, then you can be more prepared to answer a little more freshly or just not feel like, oh, I'm talking to you about your grandkids, but really I need to do my volunteer audit. Like, and it's not gonna show. Um, and that's that's a, that's giving self-feedback. That's recognizing we can't do it all. Um, oh. Sometimes that 70% has to be 100 and we just have to live with it. We just gotta, gotta let that go. I love, love, love that building in time for distractions knowing that they're going to come and building in time. That is huge. That is huge. I'm writing that down. Like that's, that's, I know 
and I was like, wait a minute. And this was maybe 16, 18 months into the job, taking into account that it was about nine months into my job before I felt really like I have a handle on things. Like I know when to anticipate things instead of just being in the learning mode. So it takes everyone time. And I think when I see people like you who have five or six years or Becca or Karina or Faze events and I'm like, wow, like you all have it all together all the time. Like I want to get to that. Uh, and that's not the reality, but you know, ask those questions um, and ask people, how long have you been doing this? Um, you know, how long, because everybody has the, that time where you know you're not going to be great right out the bat so if you're learning i had to learn to say i'm learning i'm new i appreciate yes. you letting me know this yeah because then that also kind of manages their expectations that yeah oh she's not an expert right no yes no <laughs> yes 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 and one of the things that i have found that helps to um is like when people do uh you know, submit answers or whatever in a survey. Um, acknowledging, acknowledging that you received it and responding back because that was one thing I used to not do. Because when people would read, you know, send or they would fill out the survey, I would read it and I would take into consideration what they were talking about and I would try to work on it. But I never verbalized that back out. So they always thought that, like, what's the point of me filling out this survey? Because what happens with it anyway? Honest, um, especially because a lot of the suggestions that they might, might ugh, especially because a lot of the suggestions that they may make might take three to four months to put into place. But think about it. If I was like, hey, Brittany, how are you doing? And you didn't answer me for three to four months, I'd be like, man, that chick, she's looking right at me. She didn't say nothing. I know she thought that. What's the point? You know, so it's like, but if you just respond right away, then it's like, oh, okay, I know she heard me. And so that was one of the things I had to learn to do was when they did fill out the survey, um, I would start doing like an, um, an annual like outlook for the upcoming year and see and pick out like the topics that were mentioned the most and say, this is what we heard the most. These are things that were suggested. These are the things that we can fix right away. These are the things that we're going to put on the agenda to try to get fixed within the next year. And so it wasn't like their suggestions were going into the abyss, you know, and, and it was, it was very eye opening to have that experience because I never really realized how important it was until, um, we had a situation where there was like, well, there was, there was a, there was an uproar because there was a lot of stuff that was going on. And that was one of, you know, because what do they say? I mean, this is what people say. I don't know how true it is that people only really tell the truth when they're drunk or upset. I don't know. I tend to tell the truth outside of those, but this isn't about me. So um, I digress. But uh, they were really upset. Um, some of the volunteers were really upset about something that had happened. And that's when all this stuff started coming out. And I was just like, I never, what? what? I never heard any of this before. And so... I took that as an opportunity to address it back to the team. And, and for one of the things for me is to be big enough to apologize and admit when you are wrong, be okay with apologizing. One of the biggest things I had to do was um, because after learning myself, right. And going through and understanding my personality type and who I am, because I knew that 
about me. And one of um, in one year, the surveys were like, Nicole is um, isn't very relational. And that's like heartbreaking, right? Because as a volunteer manager, that's that's part of your job is building those relationships. And like you said, being approachable. And so after the year of that survey, as we started and we were going into the new year, I stood before the volunteer team and I was like, I apologize. Um, I realized that because of the personality type that I have, that I was creating barriers and not being more open to you. So my goal for the next year is to work on myself to make sure that you guys don't ever feel that way. I'm not where I would like to be, but this year, um, at the end of the year, the survey results were completely different. There was nothing in there that was saying that I wasn't relational at all which was huge for me but whoo, it was it was hard work it was hard work but it was one of those things that i think built a layer of trust to let them know number one i did see the survey results number two i did hear you number three you're right number four i apologize number five i'm gonna work on it this is how i'm gonna try to be better um did you have any type of did you ever have like an experience like that? Oh, um, I find that some people want an answer more quickly than others. So um, like what you were saying with the survey, uh, maybe set up an email. I'm all about anything that can do my job for me efficiently. So maybe set up those surveys to go to an email that has an automatic response that says thank you and then just reiterates what the survey results are going to be for. And then people may feel a little bit heard. And then maybe next time you have a big volunteer get together, maybe don't put it on the agenda, but mention it. Um, but yeah, I've, I have, we have a lot of very, very long-term volunteers. I mean, we have volunteers who've been with our agency almost as long as, as I've been around. So yeah. that's also another challenge when a lot of your, your staff is much older than you. How do you create that relation? How do you kind of bridge that generational gap with people. And I find that older folks are not going to email you. They're the, going to be the ones who call you. They're going to be the ones that come a little bit early for their shift, knowing that they're going to catch you in your office and then just kind of talk to you about stuff. That could be something good. It could also be unloading. So just always making sure that, you know, people understand that you're available. Um, but if it's not a good time, or if it seems like, the volunteers really wanting to get into something that's going to take longer than the 15 minutes you have between this meeting and the next meeting, then offer to set up a meeting with them outside of that. If yeah. you are not comfortable yep. doing the face-to-face -face thing, then do it over the phone. Yeah. Um, and then maybe in that moment, just kind of glean a little bit about what they want to talk about. Okay, well, I understand that. Or from what you're saying, it seems like, but always leave with that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing. Um, because I have volunteers who are also donors who have a relationship outside of the professional relationship with people that are above me, um, hierarchy wise. And I know that because it happened my first year, I kept telling someone, I'll get back with you. And it was because I was waiting on information for someone else. Sometimes things get forgotten. Yeah. So because our current COO once upon a time, had my job that person had no qualms with reaching out to her above me because i told yeah. her i was going to get an answer oh i didn't and kudos to my boss at that time because she didn't make it a big deal um i i was very forthcoming and communicating you know these programs are just kind of eating my lunch right now so yeah. I'm, I'm trying everything that i can do 
Um, I also struggle with anxiety and knowing that I have a, a to-do list as long as like Santa's is just uh, And so I told her, and she's like, well, next time, you know, don't give a date. Sometimes you have to learn when and when not to give a date. It's like the hostesses at the restaurant. If they tell you you're going to be sad in half an hour and it's 28 minutes since you've been waiting and no one's come to you, what's going to happen? You're going to be right. super duper upset. Yeah. So it's not realistic for you to give someone an answer before close of business that day then give them a realistic time frame and then move that up on the top of your to-do list because you may not remember when you told someone you were going to deliver something, but that person you told definitely does remember and you don't want to be embarrassed by having someone you think oh they're just interacting with me you never know who people know yeah you never know you never yep. know and, and it could be an innocent mistake and just like it was with me but you don't know how that person's going to take that or how that person how relational that person is if you're dealing with someone who's more may more relational than you are than a missed meeting a missed call calling five minutes late like that is everything to them yes you might think, oh, I can just explain this away because someone was in my office. And that's honestly 95% of the time the truth. Right, but right. Perhaps, um, hey, something just came up or I'm so sorry for calling late. I really do apologize. Is it still a good time to talk or right. can we reschedule? Because right. then you're at them at their mercy. So right. I, I think a, a lot of this feedback stuff just comes from planning um, and making sure that you are setting expectations that people understand how quickly it's going to take you to get through something and how quickly you're going to be able to deliver uh, and just keep following up. If I told someone I'm going to get back to them by the end of the week, then maybe Wednesday, hey, I'm still working on this. Do you have any additional questions so that I can think about those before we talk again? Yes. It's just that little stuff that makes it seem like, wow, this yes. person has 5,000 volunteers, but they're treating me like the only person in the room right now. Wow. Yeah, goes a long way. And all you had to do was set an Allen Outlook reminder to say follow up with such and such email. Done. Done. Yes. 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 Make it easy. Something I also like of a practice that I like to put into place is um under promise but over deliver. So if I know, like if I'm working on something and the volunteer asked me for something, um, and I know that I could probably get it done by Wednesday. I tell them I'll have it done by Friday um, because life happens and I build in if I happen to get sick or, you know, something last minute comes up and I wasn't able to give that attention. So, um, and don't, I've, I've been a little bit delinquent this year with surveys just because every time I'm like, I'm going to sit down and do this and, and something implodes. Yeah. Um, but maybe more than just once a year. Um, if you can't do a survey, at least try to check in if you have people on your site or, you know, come up with like a little volunteer newsletter. It can be something impromptu. Just send it to the people that have been with you the longest and let them know, you know, this is what's going on if you're not hosting people. Right. You know, this is what's happening. Because if your agency was like most of our super dependent on volunteers before and you're not able to host them now, right. still want to check in with them. You still yeah. want to give them the opportunity. You know, if you're ramping up to, you know, in three months, we plan on having people back on site. Maybe that's a great time to survey. What's your comfortability level? Yep. Um, one of the chambers just did a great job um, of, in our area of asking for feedback. It was an in-person survey. And they're oh. asking, you know, what are the things that you were joining the chamber for pre-pandemic? What are the things that you're looking for now? 
How are you comfortable? Are you interested in hybrid? Would you come to in-person things? So all of that planning that's letting people know, you know, everything's not back to normal, but we're trying to plan for when that can happen because if, you know, you just, now that volunteering is more personal than ever due to health uh, and not all of us, my agency included, can offer those virtual volunteer opportunities. You wanna make sure you're giving your volunteers that are on pause an opportunity to, you know, let you know what they think. Right. You want to kind of keep them on the hook for that eventual point when they can come back, hopefully. Yeah. But you need to do your due diligence also. It's going to be a lot more than just making sure you have toilet paper in the bathrooms. Exactly. Toilet <laughs> paper in the really bathroom and napkins on the table. <laughs> stop and think about that. Um, but yeah, that, that generational thing um, is, is big as well. So uh, I, a couple of years ago, through City Square, um, hosted like a a pre-managers planning, like people who were city score members, but they were basically going to be volunteer managers in their okay. capacity. And so that was one of the things that the, someone asked me, they're like, I'm, I'm not of the same culture of my volunteers. I'm not of the same generation. Like how do I earn their respect, but also keep that hierarchy of I'm the boss when I'm here. Um, you know, a lot of volunteers have to fill out, you know, birthday things, you know, kind of see what, what's the median age of your volunteers and then do some research on how to communicate. Maybe even, you know, songs, movies, things like that. Because the biggest thing between generations and those of us that are, you know, out of college age also unfortunately do this to volunteers that are younger. You assume that you know things about them based on stuff that is from the few people you may know in your life. Um, like your you have to know. Yeah, you have to know how to give feedback to someone that's from a, a different culture or from a different time of you. Because like you said, Nicole, not everyone thinks like you. I can't approach you like I would want to be talked to you because that might not work for you. Right. I might have just, you know, completely run afoul of the sandwich, but made some other disgusting like jello fruit cocktail of feedback that nobody wants to eat or look at. So you know, just, just. You know, at the end of the day, everyone's human. And yeah. as long as you're approaching it, like I'm going to be the best human I can be in this situation, um, then then impart your feedback. Don't ever do it when you're upset or if you're overwhelmed. Ask for that moment. Um, heaven forbid, just pretend like you have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's never, no one's ever going to challenge, I have to go make a pit stop. It's not like, oh, I have to go drop off these papers. Who are you going? Can I come along? Let's walk oh, talk in the hallway. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to go take care of something personal and then just, if you, you got to cry, you got to cry, but get it out before you start talking to people again. Yes. And if you guys have noticed the theme here is like the bathroom, toilet paper, there's something about <laughs> that room that's just, you know, that gives you that energy to move forward. <laughs> Your car. Yes. <laughs> I know. Maybe I'm just dealing with the toilet paper trauma from earlier this year. It just, just keeps coming up. Um, this is my little death mascot. I got this before. Um, it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> but oh, yeah, I love it. It's on my desk. Just, just something that I can look over at, and it's just you know, it's it's always in that state. But it reminds me that I'm not always there. So oh, that is awesome. I love it. Okay. So I have one more question for you. Have you ever, um, being that you, cause you have all this wonderful like advice and, um, been able to really share a lot of great stuff about giving feedback. So the question to you is, have you ever, like, how did you land there? Like, what did you, what type of feedback did you ever give 
that went so horribly wrong, <laughs> or maybe it didn't go, you know, I tend to be melodramatic, but did you ever like do something that you were just like, yo, that really just didn't work. And this was a learning experience. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. So um, we all have those people on our staff that may be like the negative Nancy or the Debbie Downer, just no matter what you say, that person will take the exact opposite. Yeah. And oh, yes. You know, it's like we have to deal with it. They're not always as on, but I was there one day at work and I was trying to have a meeting with our program manager and our program manager structure is that they're the ones leading the volunteers. I am working with them to plan, execute, think about logistics, all of that. And so we are more often than anyone else going to be interrupted. Our time yeah. is not sacred. Yeah. People always know where to find us. And so yeah. just getting an uninterrupted meeting time to plan, but just like, okay, so I'm going to picture it. Metrocrest Services 2019. Uh, we were there. It was after four o'clock. My office hours are seven to three. And oh. so in order to have a meeting with someone, I was sticking around and I was like, okay, well, great. Just, you know, just and all of the how are you stuff. Let's just hit this business. And then someone comes in and the someone that comes in is the manager of our pantry area. And they were like, hey, you know, just throwing all this stuff at me. Just there was no knock. There was no Hey, can I have a minute of your time? It was just, I'm just, just saying words and, yeah. and you know, I'm just saying, you're like, oh, this is the conversation you're trying to have right now. And I totally reacted the wrong way. I wasn't mean, I wasn't upset, but again, my face. So I just looked at her and I was like, well, I understand. Now, mind you, this is something I had let them know earlier. I'm working on, don't have an answer for, and they emailed me about it. And then they told me that they emailed me about it. Oh. Same answer. And so I was like, in my head, I was like, what don't you understand of, I'm like, we're doing something here. And I told you I was working on it. And so I just let her know, I was like, you know, I understand. And I let you know that, you know, this is the, the point of the process that we're at. But right now I have bigger fish to fry and I'm working on your, your issue, but it is not the priority right now. Um, and she basically was like, I don't have to take this, gather all her stuff and left. Now, was I in the wrong? Yes. Uh, was she in the wrong? Yes. But unfortunately, the way that I handled the feedback of the situation didn't make me look very good. So yeah. I still had to make amends by apologizing. You know, I waited until the next day um, in the point of the day where it wasn't a volunteer shift change. It didn't look like there was anything super duper busy going on. Right. I just apologized. But I also said, you know, sometimes, I didn't say sometimes, I get pulled in a lot of different directions. And so Although it doesn't seem that your issue is top of priority, it is on my list of things that I'm working through. Unfortunately, the nature of my job means I can have a to-do list and then based on what happens, things have to jostle on priority. So right. I will keep you updated as far as where we are on that. But would you be able to give me a few days to work on blah, 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 and then X, Y, Z? And we worked it out. Um, there wasn't any animosity or anything like that. I definitely went to my boss and told him myself, and I was like, oh, I was kind of mean and I'm Sorry, but I also feel justified, but I'm still sorry. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and she just said, you know, you're both adults. Sometimes when you feel like you can work closely with someone and that means that you let your guard down. And that also means that sometimes you say things that you probably shouldn't say. Yeah. Um, so although it wasn't a huge blow up, you know, there were no boxing bells ringing or anything like that. I did feel absolutely, you know, just kind of bad for how I reacted. So I just asked her to forgive me. And then... A couple days after that, I'm like, hey, um, I know that whatever happened back then wasn't great, but 
this is really how I can be helped. What can I do to help you? Or how can I take some of that burden away? Yeah. Um, because, you know, she's like, oh, well, this happens. And when this happens, it's annoying. And it was something related to the volunteer process. Okay, well, let's work together on that. And maybe that helped take something off her plate that was stressful because I don't know, you deal with volunteers. And so sometimes if someone has a negative volunteer experience, it becomes your bad experience. Yeah. So just, okay, well, well, we moved past that and it never happened again, but I was just like, oh my gosh, it's 4.30. I know that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially when you're already like not technically supposed to already not be there. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's like, I just, uh, uh, ah. like, you just get to leave your job at the end of the day and mine continues to happen even when I'm not here. Yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. God. I feel that. I feel that. Okay. Oh, that was good. Um, okay. I know I had said last question, but I lied. So have you ever had to do that? Like, and give feedback like that to a volunteer and it didn't go well hmm. or, or not really. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had to like tell off a volunteer or, I mean, I've had to dismiss my fair share of volunteers, but that's why I say planning, planning, planning. Yeah. Because we have written policies. I let everyone know it's in the terms and conditions. I just try to let people know, you know, not voguing, but this is your box. Stay within this box and we're fine. Yeah. It's just that when we get outside of that box, that there are consequences. But before there are any consequences, like, let me know. Yeah. Like, if you have a volunteer that no call, no shows, I am very strict on that. We are all adults. It doesn't matter. Uh, this applies more towards quarter volunteers, but even volunteers that are just from the community, yeah. you know, you make a commitment, please show up. Yeah. So I will always kind of go at it from the, I'm concerned about you. Like, yes. oh, I noticed that you checked, you didn't check in for your shift. A lot of things can happen. You know, there's right. a pandemic. I just want to make sure you're okay. Yeah. Um, but if the issue was having a problem with canceling the shift, you know, here's the ways that you can do that. Yeah. Can you let me know by blah, blah, blah. And then it's up to that person. And then yeah. I don't feel like I'm chastising them for, you were supposed to be here at two. You didn't get here until 3.45. Is right. that a problem? Yes. But yeah. don't create a bigger problem in the way that you handled the initial problem. Oh, um, I like don't, that. Don't fan the flames. Because then you have to be the bad person. And and that'll spread. Because although that person may be a court order volunteer, they could be the grandson, daughter, folk of, like your state representative. And then yeah. where are you? <laughs> exactly. Down here in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, oh my gosh, it's so true. It's so true. Oh, okay, I'm back. I just, just I be nice to everybody. Be nice as, as much as humanly possible. Be, be kind, nice. rewind. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Because if you don't, we'll find you. We will find you. We will hunt you down. No. <laughs> I might have to edit that out. It might be a little strong. Um, okay. Okay. So name the um, accomplishment that you are most proud of in your career. Ooh. I have to think about that, huh? Because I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm not like, oh, I'm so proud. Um, but I would <laughs> have to say, uh, hmm. I would have to say apart from getting my CVA, because you guys, as soon as I found out this existed, I think I was like maybe 12 and a half months into my job. And I was like, 
I'm going to do that. As soon as I become available, I'm just going to do that. And so, of course, like we, our fiscal year ends in September. And so in October, you have that meeting with your boss. It's like all the stuff I want to do for the next year. I'm like, I'm going to get my CVA. And then I was like, oh, how am I going to actually make this happen? And so I would say I am proud of myself for sticking with it because it took a lot of extra time and, and energy and, and all of this that I didn't know that I had to get it done. Um, but apart from that, I would say um, we have a fundraiser and I was asked to speak at it um, because at one point in my life, I have experienced homelessness. And so a lot of people do not think about that. And diversity, equity, inclusion is really like near and dear to my heart. And I think sometimes people, especially when you work at a nonprofit, think there's a typical kind of client. And we all know what I mean. Like, oh, well, when I see that person that looks like this or yeah. sounds like this in my agency, unfortunately in our society, there's a something that's right about that. I know I'm not using the, the correct terms, but there's just something that we've grown accustomed to and comfortable with. Yeah. And that is one of the things that people tell me sometimes, not to toot my own horn, oh, well, you're articulate or you're very well put together. Um, and people don't see the other side of that. People don't see the fact that I lived in an extended stay motel for a couple of years, um, that we couch surfed for a while, that, you know, I was the kid that had to wash one pair of clothes to wear it for the next day, that, you know, I've been without, that I put myself through college. Like, I don't want people to see all of that immediately, but um, it's a really big accomplishment for me to go from being that kid who, you know, listened to sirens and all of her meals had to fit in a college dorm mini fridge to, now being like a, a part of a face of my organization and getting people to understand and realize that, you know, you caring about the person that you don't know now also happened for me. And so you don't have to feel sorry for me, but right. when you think about, oh, okay, I'm giving my money to this cause or I'm giving my volunteer time, um, nonprofits don't really do a great job of showing the after. So I like to be the after. Um, does it affect me? Most definitely. But am I at a point where I'm not ashamed to talk about it? Or, you know, I think there were like 400 and some odd people in that room. Like I had to tell my story to 400 and some odd people without oh! getting emotional. So it was like, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be on the other side. And I'm, I'm proud of anybody out there who thinks that, you know, there's not enough people that look like them doing this or that there's not enough people, you know, of, of anything. I just want all that I have been able to do and represent to help somebody out there who might be second guessing themselves or feeling like, oh, because it's hard and I'm the only person doing this, like that it can't still be good for you. It's it's never not hard, but right. you know, it's, if you think about it, like something that you'll be on the other side of one time, you know, like, like we talked about the pandemic. One of these days, you know, the toilet paper shortage will be a funny story for the grandkids. Yeah. It's not funny now. Funny right um, now. It's, it's not funny now, but you know, maybe one day, you know, we'll be, we'll be able to laugh of, about that stuff, but yeah. we got to get through it first. So I think that's also why I rely on humor because it really helps make the situation a lot less uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, not to be self-deprecating, but hey, I forgot those napkins. That happened. <laughs> I'm not telling a lie. <laughs> there, there, there were no napkins so if either I can cry about it or I can try to be haha ha funny as I'm I'm tearing and you know handing out to people it's you just you gotta find a way to, to make it light because if you're laughing about it then people can't be like oh my gosh right you know it. diffuse it so yeah, yeah. Yes, because humor is often the ultimate diffuser. I love that. Oh, wait, did I just run? 
humor. That yes. This is their what? Oh, <laughs> that's a new episode. What? Okay. That could be like a diffuser set. Like. <laughs> it could be. We're going to do it. That's going to that's gonna be our and giggles, Gardenia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So here's the last thing that I love to do. And I have this book. 3,000 questions about me. And Ooh. I'm going to ask you to choose a number between 1 and 3,000. And then I ask you the question. And then you answer it. And then I answer it. And if we don't like the question, we could change it. So. Okay. Choose a number between 1 and 3,000. But you cannot choose 7 or 77 because it's been chosen multiple times already. So. But any other okay. number. All right, so for all of my fellow nerds out there, if you can't see, Nicole asked like, oh, are these encyclopedias? No, they're comic books and other comic related nerd things. So I'm gonna choose the number 42. So for you, those of you that have read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it is the answer to life, the universe and everything. Um, hopefully it doesn't disappoint and it's a good question. Otherwise we'll just go with number 11. <laughs> Let's see, 42. 42. 42. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I think we talked about this. This may not be so fun, but it's a good question. And if not, we could go to 11. Let me see. Let me look at number 11 just really quick. <laughs> That's for those Spinal Tap fans out there. This one goes to 11. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Here we go. My cheek hurt. Um, 42. <laughs> Are you more talk and less action? or vice versa? Are you more talk and less action or vice versa? Ooh, I would say I'm more action. Depends on what it is. Sometimes I have to think and I'm a good idea person, but I need to delegate the actionable stuff to other folks because I get like, oh, that's really good. I've already committed myself to all these other, those are yeah. good. Um, but I would say I, I like to do stuff. I feel less anxious in most like I'm a part of changing something when I am doing something um it says when you pray move your feet oh and I don't know if that's John Lewis or someone someone from the civil rights era but that always you know I think sometimes people think that problems are insurmountable because of all of the strings that go into making that ugly knot yeah it's like just a little bit at a time a little bit at a time yeah. so if I can do you know, we're not solving world hunger and Metro Press services, but we can serve, you know, 800 people a week with the, what they need for that week. And we'll worry about next week when next week comes. So. Exactly. Literally one day at a time. Um, okay, so I'm totally action before words. Like, I very rarely even like to say anything. I'd rather show you and do it before I ever say it because I, um, my word um, is very important to me. and. I don't ever want to like put something out there and then can't fulfill it. So before I even say anything, I want to make sure it's something that I know that I can do. Or like with my daughter, when she was young, I would hate to be like, Oh, we're going to go to Disney world. I'd rather just, we just show up at Disney world. And she's like completely like, Oh my gosh, we're at Disney world. as opposed yeah. to we're going to go, you know, Back to that trust that we are always trying to build and maintain. Yeah. 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 Man, this has been amazing. Brittany, thank you so, so much. How can people um, get in contact with you if they want to reach out to you? 
Great. So I am a LinkedIn newbie. I'm still going to get my picture up there, uh, but you can look for Brittany Coe. Um, mind the spelling. My mother made me different, but in Texas, there are a lot of Britneys. Uh, like there are a lot of Britneys, but this one is mine. Um, yes. <laughs> or my email at work is bcoe at metrocrestservices.org. Uh, our website is metrocrestservices.org. So I'm always happy and and willing and I can find availability to help people that are new. I know there's a lot of resources and things for people who've been in it for a while, but if you just inherited a system or like me had to migrate from one system to another when you were the only person who knew how either system worked, um, I just know. So um, yeah, always always happy to help. Uh, advocacy is a big thing of mine too. So just feel free to reach out and we can have a conversation about something. <laughs> um, yes, and, you, and I'm sure you will laugh I'm sure, I'm sure she will have you laughing through it out throughout the whole thing too. Oh my goodness, Brittany, thank you so much for being here and doing this with me. I, I treasure this time. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. And to those of you who are listening and watching, I want to say to you, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of From the Suggestion Box, Navigating Feedback, The Good, The Bad, and the Say What? Not letting the good stuff go to your head and the bad stuff go into your heart. So if you love it, if you're loving these, go ahead and click subscribe at the bottom so you don't miss the next episode. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.